what does it mean to be a Christian? I mean, I mean, really. Let's talk about it with Tom Rainer on this edition of Steve Brown, etc. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. Hey, we're so glad you're here. I say it every time, and I mean it every time. You always have a seat at our table. And in case you're wondering, I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy. And Matthew Porter is here. He's the executive producer. Matthew has a tendency to lose things, mostly arguments. <laughs> and uh, he writes these lines. So if they're dumb, not funny, offensive, please don't blame me or write me letters or emails. Send them to Matt at uh, Matthew at uh, Key Life. By the way, the reason he loses mostly arguments and this is a compliment, Matthew, mm-hmm. is that you just don't argue. I mean, this is not a big deal to you. You don't have to be right. I think that's Jesus in you, All right. but I'm not really sure. Let's run with that. <laughs> uh, our producer, Jinx, is working hard in his little glass booth. Uh, he's an audio equipment expert. He only works with the best speakers. Which is highly flattering. <laughs> our video, <laughs> our video director and one-man IT department—you never see him, but he's there. John Myers is in the tech bunker. John may be a Christian, but he still has his own festival of lights. And uh, Dr. George Bingham is the president of Key Life. George wants to remind you that while there may only be a few days left in 2022, there's still time to make a tax-deductible gift to Key Life. <laughs> Did I say it right, George? Yeah, and and you know, hurry so you can beat the rush at the end. You know, we want to we want to fit you in. And Kathy Wyatt is the soft feminine side of the program, worth her weight in gold. Gold medal flower. She is a superb baker, and she's not here today. Uh, she is attending to some issues that need to be tended to and could not be tended to at, at any other time. We have a great guest for you uh, uh, on this program. His name is Tom Rayner, and he wrote a book which I hold in my nicotine-stained fingers. I am a Christian, discovering what it means to follow Jesus together with fellow believers. He's a former pastor, just couldn't take it anymore and left. I've been there, done that. Uh, He's a best-selling author and currently serves as the founder and CEO of Church Answers. He graduated from the University of Alabama He earned an MDiv and PhD from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And as I said, his uh, latest book is I'm a Christian. And I want to say, okay, 
<laughs> you know what this I read this book this morning, by the way, Tom, and I really oh, that liked tell it. You, that I, tells you how deep and broad it is. You read it this morning. <laughs> and by, by the way, you you have the advanced copy that you held up there. I get to hold up the hardback oh, copy. The real one. Oh, real one. It came in Friday. Okay. Well, but yours is not nicotine stained. So uh <laughs> There no, is no. a significant difference. There's also a statement on the back of the one you sent us that um, if we try to sell it, we'll get the fever and die. <laughs> and I was going to offer it on this broadcast, but I decided not to do that. <laughs> Give <laughs> what I would say, look, you know, when I, what I. What dawned on me this, you know, you know, and I know that you didn't say anything different in this book. Uh, it's what's been said. It's kind of like Christmas. If you're a preacher, how in the world are you going to say it in a way that people will listen? Uh, it's been said a hundred thousand times. Easter's close to that. And the basic verities of the Christian faith are that way too. You're a great writer. I was, yep. uh, as I was reading, I enjoyed reading it. But almost after every page, I went, but of course, we do need to be reminded, don't we? We do need to be reminded, and we need to be reminded daily and better to be in the Word and being in God's Word than Tom Rainer's book. But I'm hoping that this <laughs> book will point us to some things like God's Word, like sharing our gospel, like being men and women of prayer. I know I need to be reminded daily as well. So I don't read this book to remind me daily, but I do need to be reminded every single day. And I do, too. And I must say that this morning as I read your book, that's what happened. You know, I'm old as dirt. Um, I've been. I'm not young, Steve. I don't yeah, know what well, you think I'm I am. Double but, you. But, and, and, and frankly, um, you know, I do religion. All I'm the most religious friend you got, and yeah. um, and yet I sat down and thought, you know, these are things that are so important and uh, so valuable and so well said. Uh, I got to say to you that 15 years ago there wouldn't have been anything controversial in your book. Mm. I mean, how? How can a book like I'm a Christian, this is the way Christians live and relate to other Christians in the church. And uh, there would have been no controversy, but it's controversial today. I've already gotten I suspect a few you're going to get some comments from people who weren't happy with what you said in this book. Even as we speak. Wow. And um, how do you <laughs> do you just say, look, deal with it or become a Buddhist or something? I typically try my best to be gracious because one of the things we Christians are known is being a bit hostile. And so one of the first things, one of the first things I can do is uh, uh, try to demonstrate grace, whether I'm doing it in writing or in person. And I'm just simply unapologetic. And I say things like I understand it. I believe the Bible. And that's just what the Bible says. And, and uh, I invite you to read it as well. But, but uh 
I'm not getting into these hot arguments. I'm, I'm just, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm like your team and, and just, I am just benign and not hostile, but I, I, I would rather smile and talk about what Christ's love is about rather than fight and talk about what he's against. So that's my personality and that's how I respond. Well, listen, and that's biblical and Christian and what it means to be a Christian. I was, when I was your age, civil and sweet and kind. Oh, wait a minute. What is the difference in the age? <laughs> talking about your age. I had I had three grandchildren here this past week. I got another four coming in. I've got 13 in all. And what they say to me, things like this, they call me Red Red. Granddad didn't work out, so Red Red did. They said, <laughs> Now, when are you going to die? It seems close. My <laughs> only friends have said that to me. So how, how on earth are you keeping saying you're old? And I'm here, something like the children's or youth ministry in, in the in, in the picture here. I'm, I'm old as you, you are, know, I Steve. I was speaking in California one time, and this guy came up to the platform after I delivered an amazing, one of the great presentations <laughs> of Christendom and said, I had to come. I wanted to see what you look like. And frankly, you're old. And then he turned and walked off the stage. And when he got to the other end of the stage, he turned around and pointed at me. And he said, I mean, really old. (laughs) So, but I was saying I was nice like you at your age. But the older I get, the less I care. (laughs) And, uh, you know, old people are already irritated about all the things that go with being old. So, Things like church and Christians and pagans and fighting, that's really irritating to me. So I'll let you be nice for both of us. It sounds like I will need to after this part of the conversation. (laughs) Tom, what is it? There are people, and we're coming up to a break, but you can say a word or two about it. I suspect there are people in the church. Uh, Jim Kennedy used to say the greatest evangelistic field in America is not a shopping mall, but a church. A lot of people in church call themselves Christians. They sign it on their applications for everything. They would say, of course, I'm a Christian, but they're really not, are they? There's a, large, there's a large percentage who are not. We haven't done a quantitative study, so I'm not going to throw out some type of statistic and that, that, I, that I cannot prove. Like D. James Kennedy, Billy Graham said he thought there were half Again, that speculation on the, from the late Billy Graham, I would not be surprised from what we've heard. Now, here's one thing that I can say. We do church health surveys. That sounds as exciting as watching grilled cheese melt. But we do church health surveys. And one of the things we saw in the church health survey, and I'll be quick on this, 60% of the church member respondents said they did not believe that Jesus was the only way of salvation. And I'll leave it at that. There you mm-hmm. go. Yikes. I one time had the clerk of session when in Presbyterian circles, that's the chief guy on among the elders. Uh, and I told him, you know, your problem is you're playing games. You're not even a believer. Wow. I thought he was going to come after me. He started crying. Ended up after being in the church for 30 years, kneeling by my desk and asking Christ, to fix the sinner that he was. And uh, he became an amazing testimony in that church. That's nice. Guys, we got to back out. You know, this is hard work and we need to rest up, take a nap, get some cookies. The book is I'm a Christian. And just like Jesus, we're coming back.
Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. Hey, we're glad you're with us. Uh, thanks for joining us. Well, we're talking to Tom Rayner, and his new book is called I Am a Christian, Discovering What It Means to Follow Jesus. And then the rest of that line on the book cover is together with fellow believers. Tom, let's talk a little bit about the church. Uh, Augustine said that the church was a, a prostitute, but that she was his mother. And I think anybody who's been in the church for very long and decided to stay knows exactly what Augustine was saying. And we're living in a time when people, you know, the church isn't very popular in some circles. They say horrible things about us. And a lot of people are making money saying bad things about us, which irritates me no end. But uh, you have decided to say you kind of like the church, don't you? Well, I do love the church. The church is the bride of Christ, and I do love the bride. It is a very imperfect bride, as you've indicated. Maybe prostitution would be one of the definitions of it. I started going to church when I was an adult. Uh, I did not have the advantage of a of a teenager going to church. And so I saw the church maybe from a different perspective than people do who are growing up in a Christian home. And I love the local church. I love being there. I love the preaching of the word. I was a layman at the time. And one of the crushing blows that happened is when I was in a grocery store and I heard the voice of my Bible study teacher. We called it Sunday school back then. And he was cussing up a storm. And I just thought to myself, he didn't know I was around it, though. I said, this is the church. I can't believe this is the church. I went home and told my wife that and how frustrated I was. And my wife is a godly, Nellie Jo's a godly, submissive woman, especially when I listen to her real carefully. And she said, listen to me, Tom, listen to me. She said, you're going to find out that there's a lot of things wrong with the church, but it's still Christ's church. And that was a good lesson for me from, for a wife. Now think about it. The New Testament, just, just start with, let's, let's stay, start with the book of Acts. We've gone through the Gospels, the life of Christ, the death, burial, resurrection, and now we're at the ascension in Acts 2. And then Christ is taken up, and we go all the way to Revelation 3, all the letters, all the, all the, all the admonitions. From Acts 2 to Revelation 3, the entirety of the Bible is either written about the church in the context of the church or to the church. 
Yeah. That tells me that the Bible thinks the local church is pretty important, and it is something that we are to love. One of the reasons we don't love the church like we should, let me put it this way. One of the reasons Tom Rayner does not love the church as he should on a regular basis is I expect the church to serve me when I have been called to serve the church. Mm. It's those moments when I serve and I put the other instead of me is when I begin to see the beauty of it. It happens in marriage, but it also happens in a relationship with a local church. The more I decide to serve, the more I decide to be self-giving, the more I see how Christ put the church together. I could go on and on and on about this, but the church has gotten a bad rap in culture. Some of it is deserved, but the final sentence of the church not being needed is the wrong sentence because it is desperately needed in today's culture. You know, I used to say that I would prefer spending time with a bar in a bar than in a church. And then I preferred pagans instead of Christians. And I repent of that. That was a lie. That's just not true. As I've gotten older, I've realized this is my place. This is my home. This is my family. This is my definition. This is what it's all about. And it became so apparent during the pandemic Trying to go to church on a television on a computer screen is absolutely crazy. As old as you say you are, I'm surprised you have a computer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John has one that he lets him use. But it was, but it was a, it was not a revelation because I knew it. I love the church. I'm not sure why, except that Jesus does, and I'm going to love what He loves. But I. I, that's the one place where uh, I find my place. George? Um, Tom, and it's, uh, I mean, you, you do talk uh, a lot about the church and the kind of the centrality of the church in the life of the believer. Um, but that's not the only thing that you talk about in the book. Um, Oh, you know what? Let me make one other comment before I uh, ask that question, and then you can um, respond to whichever one. You know, there's some sense, and I, I I get this based on some things Steve has said before, but, you know, in some sense, while it's declining church attendance, uh, people watching online never quite got in the habit of going back to church, um, and and there's not that expectation of, you know, if if you're a, a decent person, you go to church kind of thing. So there's a lot less pretense associated with going to church. I mean, it's fewer people, but the people that are there, you know, are pretty much interested in being there because nothing is kind of pressuring them to be there. Um, and that would be one thing that came to mind kind of as an aside, but just the other thing, um, you know, your, your book, uh, has the basics. Uh, I mean, it would be a good thing to give to a new believer. Um, but as Mm -hmm. we've been talking about a really good thing to, you know, for, uh, people that have been Christians for a long time is that review reminder that once again, every day, 
reminder of of the truths of Scripture and and the centrality of Christ. I I don't know if that brings either uh, either one of those brings something to mind, but you know, feel free to comment on either one of those. Well, the the the, the part about the centrality of the local church, of course, it's the centrality of Christ within the local church, and. There, there are two big voids today that I see. We, we could point to several of them in the book, but two of the biggest voids that I see today is the right understanding of the local church. And secondly, the right understanding of sharing the gospel. And those two things tend to be missing more than any of the others. And I think they're integrally related. And your comment about the there being more committed believers at church, I think there's a bit of truth to that. Cultural Christianity is dying. Cultural Christianity, as I define it, is people who identified as Christians to be accepted culturally for their work, for their politics, for their neighborhood, whatever. And that that facade is is fading. And most people who identify as Christians today, they are Christians. And so we'll watch cultural Christianity go away. And we can talk a lot about that because that's one of the big issues that is happening in the church today. 20 to 30 percent of uh, the people who were at church pre-COVID are gone. Many of them are cultural Christians and no longer feel like it's necessary to be culturally accepted with the label Christian. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. We're just getting down to the muscle, and I would say it's about time. In fact, I think God's going to do something amazing in the not-too-distant future simply because we're not culturally acceptable anymore. Uh, We're going to take a break. By the way, I've never been culturally acceptable. I can't imagine. (laughs) I'm used to this. I I can roll with that punch. From Key Life comes two mini books. What do you do for a living? and Life After Retirement. What Do You Do for a Living by Justin Holcomb addresses the problem of defining ourselves by what we do and how we perform in our work instead of by who we know, a gracious, loving God who defines who we are. Life After Retirement by Steve Brown examines how those transitioning from work to retirement often experience a loss of purpose in life and how the quest for personal significance can best be answered by God's radical grace, love, and purpose for our lives sufficient to carry us through this transition. What Do You Do for a Living and Life After Retirement can help guide people struggling with either work or retirement. These two Key Life mini-books are available through keylife.org for a donation of $6. glad you're here. We're talking uh, with Tom Rayner and his book is I'm a Christian discovering what it means to follow Jesus together with fellow believers. And by the way, if uh, one of your resolutions for 22 was to get the best of key life in your inbox, there's still time to cross that (laughs) off your list. Go to keylife.org slash subscribe to get our weekly email. Keylife Connection. Then just uh, move Learn Spanish 
and lose weight to your next year's bucket <laughs> list of things that need to be done. Tom, before the break, we were talking about the church, and we, we were not unaware of there being problems in the church. Mainly, I'm the problem. I'm, you know, it's not them. It's me. I, if I were better at this, the church would be better, but they've accepted me anyway. And that's kind of the major thing about the church. Who was it that said, I don't want to join a club that would accept me as a member. Well, I do. <laughs> I did. And it's called the church. But you were saying that two things were missing in the church. You want to elaborate on that? Well, two things are missing that are dominant in the church. And uh, I won't say they're the only things missing, but in our in our work on churches, we, we're, we're seeing this a lot. We, we're, we've been talking about the whole issue of cultural Christianity and the, the reality of it is there are a number of people who at one time said, I am a Christian because it was culturally beneficial. We're living in a culture today um, that has changed dramatically. We're living in a culture today where saying I'm a Christian will soon be something that may lead to some mild form of persecution. I don't think we're at uh, death martyrdom yet, but some, some mild form of persecution. Uh, to say I'm a Christian now is certainly not culturally beneficial. So we've we've lost a good bit of cultural Christianity. Steve, you made the comment before, right before the break, you said, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because what is happening in the church is those who are at the church are the true, many of them are the true believers. We talked about the, the Christians are the people in the church who were not believers. There's still a number there, but that number seems to be dwindling. Mm. That is what many churches are seeing in their attendance declines. But one of the big things that is missing is, is evangelism. It's, it's just evangelism. When almost two out of three church members in our surveys will say that they don't believe John 14, 6, they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and life, there's not going to be much motive to evangelize if you don't think they need the Savior who is the only way. And so it's a theological problem. It's a biblical problem. But even those who affirm the exclusivity of salvation through Christ, John 14, 6, Jesus is the only way, even those who affirm it. Now, now I, told, I told my middle son, Art, and Art, if you're listening to this at some point, I apologize for calling your, your name out. Uh, but he's my, 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 my most precocious of the three sons. They all are. But he always has something to say that is a little bit of a jab at his dad. And he said, uh, you're about to do an interview. Who are you going to do an interview with? I told him, he said, Dad, try not to give too many numbers, statistics. <laughs> you're so incredibly boring. And so I, 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 I want to try not to give too many statistics, but just just, just listen to, to some of these. We have been doing studies of churches, and we are basically trying to find out what churches are doing today. And here's something that we have found. Fewer than 1% of churches have any type of ongoing evangelism emphasis defined as doing something at least once a month. Fewer than 5% of churches have any type of evangelism emphasis trying to equip the saints to do the work of evangelism or try to admonish those who need to be doing evangelism. So what we're seeing is the not the death of evangelism because the gospel will not die, but we're seeing the dearth of evangelism. And evangelism has gotten a bad rap too. It's confrontational. It's uh, legalistic. It's, it's, it's harsh. Well, <laughs> 
evangelism is a mandate. You can you can use the most common one in Matthew 28 or Acts 1-8. You can use either one of those. But I think one of the schemes of the evil one right now is keeping us from talking about the one who has given us life. And that, to me, is one of the big voids in the church today. And I don't know how many years that I have left. Based on Steve's age, I may have a few more left than he does. But other than that, I just, whatever years I have, I really want to give to somehow getting the message out about the message. And I want to be a part of it as well. Mm. So, yeah, evangelism is missing in most churches. Worship, discipleship, fellowship, prayer, they're present. They may not be as dynamic as they are, but they're present. Mm. That's good stuff. By the way, as an aside, you might say to your son, let me give you a statistic. Uh, one, uh, three has just become two because I just took you out of my will. <laughs> <laughs> there you We're go. Talking, and, and this is a book. It's not anything new. If you've been a Christian long, you're not going to learn new doctrines or new ways of looking at the world or new things that you can share and amaze your friends. It's a book that's solid and it's true and it's good news. It's a simple book with a major life-changing message for the church and for you. I am a Christian discovering what it means to follow Jesus together with fellow believers. Guys, don't go away. Uh, we're going to take a break, retool, and come back. You're going to be amazed with the last segment of this program. It was irritated when the electricity went out. No television, no music, no Netflix. Then he discovered that the battery on his smartphone was dead. He decided to make some coffee, but when he went to the kitchen, he realized that without electricity, he couldn't even do that. Then he noticed his wife in the kitchen, and he sat down and talked to her. He said later, you know, she seemed like a very nice lady. I know, I know, technology's good, but sometimes go talk to somebody face to face. You might be surprised how nice and real they are. It's messy sometimes, but Jesus would like it. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. Thanks for taking some time from your busy day to spend it with us. Um, and if you like this show, you might uh, um, like the Free Key Life app, too. It's available for both iPhone and Android. Uh, you can give it a try at keylife.org slash app. Um, something uh, I like about the book, as we've mentioned several times before, just kind of 
teeing up again some of the basics of theology and doctrine and just stuff that we need to be refreshed and reminded of uh, again. But you also delve into some tactical kind of stuff for pastors and church leadership. I wonder if you might touch on some of those things. You talk about um, the importance of church membership and how can you convey that without you know, being tone deaf and kind of just seeing self-serving. Um, you talk about uh, church membership classes and, the, you know, attenders. I wonder if you could just kind of get into some of those kind of tactical insights that you have in the book. Uh, one of the things that's the uphill challenge for many church leaders, uh, Christians in general, is the idea of the institutional church and that the church is often compared to a maybe a civic organization or some type of club. And, and so mem- membership is, is more optional. If you want to go there, then, okay, that's just one of, one of many choices. And when, when someone then suggests that you should be a part of a local body, it then feels harsh, if not legalistic, because you're saying uh, you really need to be a part of our, part of this church. It comes back to, it comes back to raising the bar of what it means to be a part of Christ church. There are practical ways to do it. They're not the only ways to do it. I don't, I don't see anywhere in the new Testament where you had to go through a one-on-one class in order to be baptized. But the idea of going through some type of entry level where you call it a membership class or whether you call it uh, just a one-on-one or discovery class, whatever the terminology is, the idea of doing that is you should be communicating three things right at the onset. You should be communicating information. Um, Don't assume that everyone knows what it means to be a follower of Christ. Don't assume that everyone knows all the ins and outs about your church, polity, leadership. Don't assume those things. So information. Secondly, expectations. Very few entry-level types of points into the church talk about what it really, what, what, what does the New Testament say it means to be a part of the local church? And then number three, assimilation. Now that you're doing this, how are you going to become a part of the church? I would never suggest that a, a membership class, if you will, is the only way to do this, and it may not be the best way, but in a practical sense, it has been the most often used by churches today, simply because it is something that leaders understand and the people tend to get as well. And so if you bring people through that level of information, expectation, and assimilation, you're going to find out for the most part that they get it. They may forget it at times, but they will get it and they will understand if I am a part of the local church, I should be serving. I should be giving. I should be sharing. The honor of being a part of the local church, according to 1 Corinthians 12, is that we're part of a body. We're one member of that body. The word member came from 1 Corinthians 12, among two or three other places in the New Testament. And it's not membership in a civic club. It's not membership in an organization. It is a part in fact, I think the New Living Translation actually uses the word part instead of member. But we don't say we go to part community church or we, we say we're we're not a part of community church. We say we're a member of community church. And so if we communicate clearly what it means to be a part of the local church, we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of the body of Christ. And if we are not there, that body is incomplete. It's missing a hand. It's missing a foot, to use Paul's metaphors of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. If we can communicate that the church is not complete, not only unless we are present, but also unless we are active doing so, then the church just becomes another option. And therefore, it gets the bad rap that it does. Mm -hmm. I am convinced that 
it is hard to live out our Christian life without being active in a local church. Why? Because the New Testament says so. Why? Because we need the accountability of other Christians. Why? Because I am going to more naturally serve if I'm in the context of others and if I'm, I'm trying to do Lone Ranger Christianity. So the practical application of it, a membership class, a one-on-one class is one facet. That is not in the Bible. It is just something that we see a lot of a lot of people practicing right now. We we have a great relationship with um, uh, just some churches in Uganda and East Africa, and they have begun to say we're doing something like that, too, because we need something on the front end in order to clearly communicate what it means not only to be a Christian, but to be a part of the body of Christ as well. You know, Tom, you um, were talking about the importance of evangelism, which, by the way, is something I agree with. Jesus said, um, they'll know you're Christians by the love you have for one another. Mm. Uh, That's why the assimilation is so important. Sometimes I say to congregations, if you're not a believer, leave before you get hurt. Trust the old guy. But if you stay you'll find a family here that the most important family of your life. And that love that takes place within the church is maybe the greatest evangelistic tool that we have. Would you comment on that just a little bit? Well, you're scaring me because you're getting biblical. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He has a problem with that. (laughs) When we look at the early church in Jerusalem, Steve, in Acts 2, um, and we're seeing all the things that are going on right after Peter preached the sermon at Pentecost and the church began to grow. One thing that we see is it's it's as 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 the church is doing and serving and and being a, this new body of Christ, it says that and they won favor with all the people. All the people does not refer to those on the inside, it refers to those on the outside. The greatest evangelistic tool in the early church was that they showed Jesus as well as they told Jesus. And that's why they were winning the favor of all the people. They not only talked the gospel, they lived the gospel. And that came out very powerfully in the early church. And if it's good enough for the Jerusalem church, the first church, the model church, it's good enough for our churches today. So you have hit the proverbial nail on the head when we show the love of Christ. We are truly becoming evangelists, even when our mouths are not open, but our mouths should be open as well. Tom, this is good stuff, and the hour has gone by very, very quickly. Uh, We have about 15 more seconds, and I want to say to you, say something profound, but keep it to 15 seconds. (laughs) I won't do that to you, man. Explain the Trinity in 30 seconds or less. Uh, Tom, you're a gift to the church, and I'm glad you're my brother. I'm glad you're a Christian, and I'm glad we're in this thing together. You keep writing, and we'll keep talking. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, we're going to back out for a little bit. Kathy's not here, but I'm sure she told Matthew or George or Jinx or John who will be here next week. And uh, And if she didn't communicate that information to somebody... We're going to have a hymn sing in that short last section and maybe a very long prayer, whatever. But it'll be interesting to see what happens, and you ought to stay around to check it out. 
And if we can find out who we're going to interview next week, you're going to be, as always, amazed and pleased. Don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. Excuse me, we're so glad that you're spending this hour with us. And it was a good hour. It was a good reminder. I think sometimes... The, the demon that haunts Christians who've been Christians longer than most is um, acedia. It's an old word and one of the seven deadly sins, and it, and it means you get bored. Uh, you're just not excited anymore uh, with it. You, um, uh, you're, you're, uh, it's translated as laziness or sloth, but it's more than that. And sometimes you need to go back as a baseball team or a football team will do to the fundamentals, but you can't just do that. You got to say, Lord, remind me where you found me. Remind me of the joy and the passion that I felt in the beginning. I'm not going to leave. I've gone too far to get out of this, but but I need some juice, some gasoline, as it were, in my engine. So as I review who you are, who I am, what you've called me to be and do, how much you've loved, how much you've forgiven, what you've promised, as I review those things, come by your spirit and, uh, and fill me again. Remind me of the darkness from which you saved me and and give me the joy. That's what David did. He had messed up big time in Psalm 51 in his confession. He's, oh, man, it'll keep you awake at night. But he said something really important. Restore in me the joy of your salvation. And one way to do it is with a book like this, I'm a Christian by Tom Rainer. Well, we've been hustling around trying to find out, and we may still be wrong, but Matthew, <laughs> well, what are the odds are of the person you found being we, our guest next week? We 100% know who the guest is. We're reasonably sure about the book. Our guest is going to be Michael Reeves. 
He is the president and professor of theology at Union School of Theology in the UK. We spoke to him a couple months ago. Mm. He has a new book that's coming out, and uh, we grabbed a hold of that because we really enjoyed our conversation with him. It's certainly not necessary to have a British accent to be a theologian. It sure doesn't also hurt to have it as well. You just sound smart right out of the gate. Any pastor who has either a British or Scottish accent can make $5,000 a year more than somebody who has a Southern one like me. (laughs) Just saying. Guys, we're going to go, but we're going to come back next week, same time, same place. It's our fond hope that you'll join us, and we hope also that you wouldn't do anything we wouldn't, and it gives you a wide, wide berth.